Welcome to Everyone Loved It But Me. My name is Lisa Hedger. I am your host. This is the podcast where we analyze super popular beloved books. First, before we jump into things, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you could offer up a five-star rating and a written review wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be a huge help. And always please tell your friends and neighbors about my podcast, share it on social media as well. That will really help. The more people who find out about the podcast, the larger we can build this community. And I love that idea. In today's episode, this is one of my longtime favorite books, one I have wanted to have on the podcast for so long, Gone Girl. I read it shortly after it came out. I think I read it again. And of course, I read it again for the podcast. And the discussion is excellent. We talk about unreliable narrators. We talk about unlikable characters. We talk about the twists and the turns and the roller coaster ride this book takes you on. And I think whether you love this book or didn't love it or you're somewhere in between, you're really going to enjoy this episode. Stay tuned. This one's, you're going to go on a roller coaster. So stay tuned. Now on to the show. I have an amazing guest, Pam Bice, who has been a longtime English language arts teacher in eighth grade in central Ohio. Pam has received a number of awards, including the You Made a Difference Award winner being selected to thank a teacher who's made a significant contribution to many, many students. And I was actually on one of my local neighborhood social media thread a few months ago and saw many, many comments about Pam Bice where all her former students were talking about how incredible she was. And I thought, I need to get her on the show. So welcome to the show, Pam. Oh, thanks so much, Lisa. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's so wonderful to have you. And Pam and I are discussing Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. We'll just give you a very, very quick synopsis. We're going to have spoilers on this one. And it is a 10-year-old book. So this was first published in June 2012. It's centered on the disappearance of the beautiful Amy Dunn, who disappears on Nick and Amy's fifth wedding anniversary. So we get the you know, delightful chatty journal entries from Amy alternating with Nick. Amy's telling us how she and Nick met and and then it alternates between Nick's perspective of Amy having disappeared. And then we, of course, learn that our golden boy Nick has a lot of lies and deceits and inappropriate behavior. And then we learn more as it goes along about, about Amy as well. And this book is kind of, and we'll talk about this too, one of the first of its kind, I think, for this unreliable narration and just this, you know, flip on the script of a of a mystery. And as I said, we will delve into spoilers because both Pam and I think it's it's hard to kind of talk about this book without getting into that. So Pam, I know you read this book a while ago maybe years ago and refreshed it. I'm kind of curious to think what you thought originally and maybe what you think now, if you still, if you had any differences of opinion or... When I first read it and I had heard so much about it and about the author, I thought, I hate these characters. Like they're <laughs> both so unlikable. And yes. honestly, that that did not change at all. I think I had a second time around, I think I had more of an appreciation for plot but then there's then there's there's also the fact that 
also the second time around, I was more critical thinking this actually isn't that believable, like what Mm -hmm. what happens with the characters and so on. I I think that's a really good point that you bring up, that the characters are so unlikable. And I I agree with that, that it it is. And I was reading a lot of reviews and a lot of people said the same thing, that they just stopped because... They couldn't stand either Nick or Amy. You know, you get to the point where, of course, we discover that the the giddy Amy, the Amy in the diary, that, of course, she she manufactured that. She just made that up. She spent a year, nine months or so, writing these fake a- entries, and that wasn't really her. And it's so and it's and it's so disturbing that she was she's so messed up, and she kind of changes herself all along, but she does this massive masterminding about it like she has a plan in place for who she is going to be and I think that's the part that's so disturbing to me too it's just like she's really a horrible person and and reinvents herself for some kind of manipulation or some kind of sick purpose Mm -hmm. and even though she was fake during the diary entries I still didn't like her and Nick himself, he's a little bit more honest in, in what we see of him, but he is so clearly, I mean, he even says he's lying. I mean, he lies throughout the entire story. So he's just not likable either. No, he's not. He's not likable either. And and I go back and forth, Pam. I mean, I remember, and I always say that, you know, for the podcast, I can't always like dislike every book. So I choose books that, that I like as well, you know, and want to talk to someone like you who didn't like this. So I still, I really like this book. This is a book that I really love, even though I don't like either character. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And even reading this like the third time, I think I just feel like I, I, I just go on a roller coaster. I, I probably was a little more critical of it, again, re- having read it a couple of times and thinking about the plot holes. And we'll talk about those. I was thinking to myself, Pam, which person do I dislike more, Amy or Nick? <laughs> True. <laughs> They're so horrible. I'm like, maybe... I think Amy, because Amy, uh, although I know she's got to have some mental health diagnosis that I don't know what it is, but she has this pathological behavior. So she has her whole life, like Nick starts building this case where someone slightly ticks her off and, and then she spends months retaliating against them. You know, one one is like a friend. In fact, I, I, I wrote down this kind of quote where he was, Nick was originally told that there was a childhood friend who stalked Amy, who was stalking her and, and you know, just following her around. He speaks to Hillary and, and realizes, wow, she didn't stalk Amy at all. And so here's, Hillary says, I feel like Amy wanted people to believe she really was perfect and as we got to be friends I got to know her and she wasn't perfect she was brilliant and charming and all that but she was also controlling and drama queen and a bit of a liar which was fine by me it wasn't fine by her she got rid of me because I knew she wasn't perfect it made me wonder about you and this is and Nick says why and Hillary says friends see most of each other's flaws spouses see every awful last bit if she punished a friend of a few months by throwing herself down a flight of stairs, what would she do to a man who was dumb enough to marry her? <laughs> I remember that so clearly because I thought, ding, 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 ding. Like that is so, that is, so, I was really nice. And I guess, I guess that's one of the things that bothered me too, is the fact that he stays with her. 
he ends up staying with her after all she does with him. And they're both playing a game and yet he's still, he still kind of likes her. Oh, he um, does. Yeah. I mean, he, he makes it kind of clear at the end. It was like, you know, even when they're both pretending, he starts to feel those old feelings that he had for her and so on. And, and I think it just bothers me that she was, she was so evil and yeah. he st- and and that made me like him even less than I already did because he I think it was clear throughout that he was fairly spineless in the fact that the detective was constantly talking about him being the baby of the family even yeah. though he wasn't the baby of the family right. and so on right. and I think I think it just showed that he really was he was so self-centered and weak he was just a weak human being and I felt like he had the opportunity to really build a case against her with Hillary, with Desi, with all of these, well, Desi originally, but with these different people and ends up not doing anything with it. Absolutely. And and that's where I guess in the end, I remember the first or second time I read this book and still even this time thinking, oh, screw it, man. They deserve each other. (laughs) I I did think that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, they truly deserve each other, you know, And, and you feel bad, of course, for the poor the poor child, right? That right. that I guess they're going to bring into this fictitious world, of course. But I always like to sprinkle in a couple of what I call everyone loved it but me statistics. Pam and I know how super popular this is. We're talking in the end of July 2022, which is almost exactly 10 years since it was published. It was published in June of 2012. It just rose to number one on the New York Times bestseller fiction list right away for eight weeks. In the first year, sold more than two million copies. It was on the bestsellers list for 91 weeks, has now sold more than 20 million copies. It was on National Public Radio's hardcover fiction bestseller list for 26 weeks. And as I said, with the 10-year anniversary, the copy that I got, we can talk about this a little bit. Also, they, they made a big deal of publishing a couple of, you know, chapters previously unpublished. So they did include that in, oh. in the version that I received. And there is a People Magazine article I'll include in the show notes where Gillian Flynn says, basically, it's a matter of when, not if, the Gone Girl will get a sequel. So I think that she still has that in the back of her Yes, right? And this novel did not win really many awards, but it received a lot of attention. So New Yorker, New York Times, Time, Publishers Weekly, People, USA Today, many reviewers really, really liked it. And what I also think Pam and I will talk about as well is one thing that it did, I guess the biggest form of, of flattery is is that every many, many authors duplicated this. So we have seen this new kind of genre with the gone girl effect, right? Girl in a window, uh, girl on the train. Even Netflix has a satire, which is like the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. <laughs> the name of it something along those lines so so I'm curious Pam did you did you ever did you read any of those sequels I mean it sounds like you like mysteries and thrillers and you like this genre in general no I I think the genre that I like is I really love the unreliable narrator genre yes um and so for we actually do a unit in in our ELA 8 classes and each it's we call it the powers of perception and what the students don't know is that every character is unreliable for whatever reason 
Wow. Uh, so she is unreliable and obviously she has mental health problems, but it's also she's just sadistic in Gone Girl. But in some of the others, they may have a mental health problem and they actually just maybe don't remember something because of trauma and so on. So it's more I think I read it more just because I love that that genre of the right. unreliable right. narrator. Right. But I felt but I felt like there was really no reason for me to cheer on either of of the characters in this. And that's what I didn't like about it. Like if you're going to have somebody who's kind of an anti-hero, you want to, you want to, you know, like root for him a little bit. And I didn't feel like I was rooting for anybody in part because they were both flat to me. I felt like they were almost one dimensional. There wasn't, I don't really, I mean, we knew that Nick's dad was a, a pretty tough guy and not a very good father but he had a great mom and he had a, a very loving and supportive sister. I didn't feel like it was really clear why he was the way he was. And then the same for Amy. I mean, her parents, granted, I feel like they really did use her mm-hmm. to you know, publish all these books about her when she, you know, amazing Amy. But I mean, she had, she had no compassion for them when they were, when she would watch them on TV and they were devastated because they couldn't find her and they feared the worst. She didn't, she didn't care. And that was really hard for me to understand how somebody could be that flat. Like I I like the characters, I think to be more complex, but I don't know. What did you feel like they were? Oh no, I agree with you. I think you're right. I think that they, they are very flat. I mean, and I like the word that you used, especially, I think, to describe Nick earlier, like very disappointing. You know, you keep thinking, you keep expecting a little more from him, and it does feel like he, he disappoints you. And, and I think I think when I think about why do I enjoy the book, like I said, it just kind of feels a little like a roller coaster. You know, it's just kind of unraveling, and you're, and you're wondering what, what's going to happen. But I do completely agree that I'm not a big fan of either of them. And I find them to be, you know, the one thing that did surprise me about Amy is when they steal her money. You know, that, yes, so you kind of appreciate that, you guys. I don't know. I know people listen to this and again, it's probably been eight or 10 years since you've read it, but there's a point where Amy has stockpiled her eight, $9,000. She's in this little cabin in the middle of nowhere with other people who are all trying to escape and 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 hide away for different reasons and she encounters these these two people i don't think i remember their names or you know jeff was one okay and 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 then the lady yeah like greta or greta yeah yeah. yes yes yes. you're right you're right pam greta and the two of them basically conspired like we're just we're going to take her money and this is going to be easy you know, they thought she had maybe a thousand bucks. They were stunned. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and so I have to confess that that I liked that. You know, I liked seeing her. I don't know. What did you think of that? And I thought I, that was super realistic, too, that, you know, you hide out in the middle of nowhere. And you're going to be with people who are hiding out for different reasons. I guess I guess I felt like that was inconsistent with her character. I mean, here's here's somebody who pulled out long yes. hair before she cut her hair so she could put it like mm-hmm. plant it so it looked like she had been taken before she cut her hair like right. who would even right. think of that and the fact that she would be so careless with this money belt and right. pull things out in front of other people I also felt like it was somewhat 
inconsistent with her character to even reveal herself to other people, like to somewhat befriend these two two yes. other misfits or whatever you want to call them, people who are kind yeah. of, like you said, escaping whatever. And it seemed like that was a really odd thing for her to do because whenever she befriended somebody, it was always for a purpose. Right. Like when she befriended right. Noelle, it was because she she was hoping she she really wanted to plant some information that she was being abused and that Nick was mm-hmm. awful and then of course she used her urine to pretend that she was pregnant her that um right. Amy herself was pregnant so i i didn't see what benefit there was for her to befriend them and she just seemed too smart for that right right that that makes sense you thought it was kind of a plot hole um uh, yeah, I that was go- yeah, and that was kind of going back and forth on that. I was wondering too, like, would that? I, I was glad that it did happen, to be honest. But, <laughs> but <laughs> right, like, how realistic is that? And and the one thing I did not buy is at one point again, if you haven't read it in a little while, Amy says she is going to kill herself, and I never believed that she would do yeah. that. You know, there's just no way. There's no way yeah. she would ever want to do that. And, and what happens is then Nick, you know, he, he gives these couple like horrible interviews, but then he does the interviews where he starts saying, I love you. I love you so much. And and she's like, oh my gosh, that's just what she needed to hear. (laughs) You're right. And and it almost feels like if if we were to diagnose her, it's almost like she was such a narcissist that even if she on one level knew it wasn't real, she still needed that. She still wanted that adoration from Nick because she obviously, how she felt about him was so different. Like Desi, his adoration, she, she wouldn't accept that. You know, she, she felt like he was creepy and, you know, pandering and so on. But for Nick, when, when it was Nick, it was like, oh, that was okay. So I don't, I don't know. Like she was really interesting about men in general. I agree with you. I was thinking about that too, Pam, because you're right. When the money is stolen, then she decides to go to Desi and, and gives this, you know, cry story that Nick was abusing her and the whole thing. And then she's thinking like, okay, I'm going to hang out here for a little while, hoping she could still have her independence and and realize that's not going to happen. He's going to keep her there, gives her $40 and says, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of funny, actually. That was funny, too. You know, don't spend it all at once. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Like, here you go. Here's 40 bucks, you know, and that is interesting. So I don't you probably didn't see the movie of this. I did not. And it's, it's so funny because I talked to my son and he's, he's like 26 and actually he's almost 28. Now that I think about it. And he was telling me, I told him I was going to be on this podcast and what it was about. And he said, what book? And I said, gone girl. And he looked horrified. He said, I love that. And I said, have you read the book? And he said, no, I've watched the movie before. And he said, I, he said, it's so, he said, you need to watch the movie. See, but you know, it kind of would fit in. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of Ben Affleck after he had his little affair and so on. And I was like, well, he is actually perfect perfect for Nick. He was, he was Pam. He played him perfectly, but I have to tell you. So I grew up, I'm like, you know, eighties, nineties kid. And I grew up with, you know, Neil Patrick Harris as my Doogie Howser. And he plays Desi in the scene where she kills him. 
I what? had to look away. I had to look away. He plays oh. Desi, and it was hard to watch that scene. Oh. That was. I didn't yeah. know he was in it. I love him too. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. And I knew exactly when I realized who he was. I'm like, oh no, this is. <laughs> This is going to be hard to watch. Yes. <laughs> and it yes. was hard to watch. So that is, I'm guessing, Pam, that's one of your big plot holes, too. That that she couldn't have planned that perfectly in, in those 20 days. I mean, she didn't have that much time to plan. The, and right. that you would think the mom, who's such an advocate for him, who's just screaming, she did it, she did it, she's a murderer, that somebody would listen to her. And one of these detectives would be able to find some evidence. Right. And, and I think, uh, was it Pilcher? Was that? No, no, no. What was the author's like? Boney or Borny or something like that. Yes. 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 Like, I, I do believe that she thinks that Amy killed Desi yes. and that she framed yes. him for the whole thing. And there was just, again, she was, she just seemed really disappointed in Nick when he said, you know, I'm going to retract all this and, mm -hmm. and so on. It was really right. interesting. And, and I even was very aware about like, okay, so this whole thing with the baby, like having a baby, he really wanted to have a baby yes. and he thought she did too. And then it turned out that she was just like, no, I don't, I don't want to carry a baby, et cetera. And so when she did get pregnant and, um, and, you know, she peed on the stick in front of him so she couldn't be lying again right? about right. that. And even and went he, to the, do the blood test maybe too. I think yes, yes. Because yes, of course yeah. she, I need to be triple fact checked. And who would even think to pretend you're afraid of blood so that you couldn't have done that to you? I mean, oh my right. gosh. I mean, yeah. really yeah. like if you, that's the part that I had an appreciation for. I had an appreciation for all of those different factors that played in that the author created, like yes. like the long hair, like the blood, like all of those yeah. things. I had an appreciation for how much forethought had to go into all of that. So that that part was really cool. Stockpiling but, the 20 bucks and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. All of that stuff yeah. that she did. I mean, it was really, I mean, I thought that was very creative. But mm -hmm. it, I, just, I just wish that the characters... <laughs> were a little oh, yeah. bit more likable. And the other thing too about it is that they were they were static in terms of they never they never grew. Like I didn't yeah. see any growth and I kept hoping, you know what, he lies and all of this other stuff. He wasn't a mm -hmm. great husband, but he's going to grow as a person. And I didn't I didn't really see that. And I think that his relationship with his sister was one of his redeeming qualities. But even that, he was he was not forthright with her. There were secrets that he kept from her, like having an affair with somebody. And so, again, just going back to that, I felt like they they were they were flat. They were not complex, and then they didn't grow at all. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, and it was interesting too. I did I did like his relationship with with his sister with with Go. I, I thought that was that was kind of a fun a, a nice relationship. But but you're hundred percent right. I mean, both of them, they were the same. You know, on on page whatever it is, four hundred and twenty. Let's say yeah. they were on page. Too, right, you know when it started, and go and go was a great character. Like I, I loved her. Although I have to admit, at the beginning when they were together, there were a few things that were written in there, and one of them 
that I recall was like he she went to kind of like, hey, what are you doing? And he said something about her hand, you know, rested on his nipple or I don't know. It almost made it seem like they had an inappropriate relationship to start with. And then I was like, yes, yes, yes. There was something in there that I felt like, oh, that's a little, that's a little off. I I think she hints that they are a little closer than siblings normally would be. Right. I think there's definitely, and Amy notices that too. And everyone kind of noticed. I think you're right about that. So that, that was, that was just, but I did love the character of Go and wish she was developed more. But what the thing about Nick's dad too, I don't know really why he was there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was, mm-hmm. I think it was okay that they painted him as not a very good father. And you're thinking, well, that could be part of what Nick's problem is. But I, I thought that was there wasn't a lot with that either. And I wasn't sure what the point of having him in there was because, you know, the, the mom was mom died early. So you knew yes. about that and how that affected Nick, but the dad was still alive and just seemed like he had, he had Alzheimer's. Yes. Dementia. So I don't know. I was wondering about the point of having him in there as well. And well, that's a really good question, Pam, because I kept thinking too, like that he's in here for a reason. And he was always calling her, I'm going to get to the PG 13, but bitch, bitch, bitch. Okay. Yes. And, and he kept using that phrase over and over again. And I kept thinking like, okay, is he the one who is like supposed to be the one who is his brain is addled with dementia but he knows who she truly is. Like, is that who he was supposed to be? He's not a great mm. dad. He has all these other issues, but he sees her true colors. I don't know. That's what I kept wondering. Like, is it him who really figured her out and knew? Like, he just kept, they just kept saying that. And so I don't know. I don't, I'm probably reading too much into it. I just wasn't no, I sure. actually like, I agree. Yeah, I like that theory. Yeah, there's a reason. There had to be a reason that, that he was in there and, and almost every time that's what he kept saying and I kept thinking okay he's referring to to Amy so I don't but I wondered the same thing as you that's all I kept thinking was maybe like we're showing this person who's you know struggling with his brain but maybe that's the one thing that he remembers is that right he never trusted her you know I don't even know I guess if he knew maybe he knew her vaguely when early stages of the dementia since it had well been and I wasn't years. even clear when he was when he was saying that if he was always talking about Amy so that's interesting because I thought it might have been about True. because he used to call True. Nick's mom that too so I wasn't even sure if he knew what True. was what was True. going on with that so it, it kind of reminded me, yeah, it, yeah, it kind of, the, the story too kind of reminded me the way she was with Nick is, did you ever see Basic Instinct? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. With Glenn, yes. was that In Glenn Close? Yeah, yes, yeah. So it kind of reminded me of that, that real, like, you know, you're not, you're not going to get rid of me. Although she had planned on having him go to jail and, and then that, you know, right. and she got her money stolen. Yes. So that changed plans, but. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was just kind of interesting that really creepy, unhealthy relationship that's going on. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I just, you know, in the New York Times linked to this piece in the show notes too, but this is basically this is a comment they say that I think exemplifies what you're saying, Pam. What makes Flynn so fearless as a writer is the way she strips her characters of their 
pretenses and shows no mercy while they squirm. Nick would rather be arrested than reveal that he keeps old copies of his magazine articles hidden in a garage to read in secret like porn. Amy would never give Nick the satisfaction of knowing that her treasure hunts are a cruel way of asserting her superior intelligence. Flynn dares the reader to figure out which instances of marital discord might flare into a homicidal rage. She really does take these characters, you know, down to the bare bones. Well, she, well, she does. And, and, and it's funny because I, I think that if you were in many people's heads, you would probably see things like a Nick. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go as far as an Amy, <laughs> but, right, right. but I mean, we all have, you know, thoughts that we would never want to have revealed. So I, so I do, I have an appreciation for that, that the characters are like laid bare for us. And you really, mm-hmm. you really know, like, what they're, what they're thinking, and it's pretty awful stuff. I think, though, what I just couldn't get past, obviously, is the fact that neither of them really changed. And, you know, there was, there was no growth with that. But that is so interesting right. that they wrote, what they wrote about, about that. I actually, those treasure hunts were kind of a hoot, really. Like, when she, when she would, he would, he'd go yes. down the treasure hunt, and he's realizing... Oh, these are all the places that I was having my affair. And she knew about it. And she was revealing again, like I knew. I also thought it was, she was very clever in that, you know, he was talking about like, he knew that she had left the next clue at his dad's house and something about the brown house. And the police Mm -hmm. are like, but the house is blue. And he said, oh, that's an inside joke. And they're like, okay, everything that you want to explain is an inside joke to you. Like, how do we know that that, I I mean, it was really very, again, so cleverly done that how would she make a mistake, like having her money belt showing and, and befriending people. Absolutely. And then it does make me question, like I said, the Desi, because you're right, because then she has to go off plan which script. seems a very off script which seems yeah very much unlike her and and let you know and and then she's just spontaneous and then doesn't realize how desi's gonna act well she's known him for years and years she should know that he's gonna want to you know keep her hidden and he, so yeah that that part of it i i just was kind of like huh that and was, didn't make a, a lot of sense right i think i think you're right and was she that was she that naive about like costs of things like when she went to the store and she she found out that oh you shouldn't be charged ten dollars for a gallon of milk i i don't know that just seemed really odd to me (laughs) right like that that struck me as really really odd that she wouldn't have ever gone grocery shopping because they didn't they didn't really indicate, I mean, they had been out of work, so yes. they, they yes. didn't really indicate that they had somebody who was still shopping for them. So that, that seemed really odd to me too. And, and the fact that she even said she looked up to see how long that $9,000 was going to last her. And obviously it was wrong because she had already blown through more than she anticipated. But wasn't she, wasn't, didn't she talk about, she had to have like nice towels and what was Right. Like right. some of the things yeah, she think, bought, she wanted up, you know, yes. just kind of a better yes. quality than, right. you know, the rest of us would. Target, I think. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. That, Although that they do have nice towels at Target. 
They absolutely yeah. do. hundred yeah. percent. No, I, I agree. I'm no slamming of target guys, but no, I, I know. I know you're if, not. If Amy, if Amy Dunn would go to target, you Correct. know, but she, Correct. but she had to, I mean, she, they were in Missouri, right? I mean, they had to have been shopping and I, I, it's funny that you said a $10 for the milk pan because I did not remember that from the last time. And this time, this reading, it stuck out to me and I'm like, $10? Like, she's really... I agree because because this time I noticed her as more naive. You're right. That's what stuck out that those two people, you know, like, was she that naive? Because she didn't seem like it in all the other scenarios. That was one thing I think you're right. That character flaw that I'm like, I don't, that didn't seem consistent with her character. I do think that's a, that's a good word to use and an interesting word to use with somebody who is so manipulative. But when, when at the end she talks about, you know, she wants this new Nick and, but then she also says she realizes it's fake. There, there is almost, I think that word is, that adjective is really good. There's this, you know, naivete about the fact that she knows it's not real but she likes it enough and and mm-hmm. craves it enough that appreciation and adoration that he's showing her that she's willing to put up with it and continue with it because i don't know maybe she just realizes you know she's not going to be really happy with any other relationship you know i i mean she doesn't really have any successful relationship she doesn't doesn't have anybody that she's not none so this Ah. is as close this is as good as it gets for her you know she like with her parents that's super weird and dysfunctional and yeah every, every single relationship she's she's ever had like you said noelle she was just using her that was you know manufactured completely completely made up so, uh, yeah, and I have to say, I mean, if there if there is indeed a sequel in five years or so, I probably will read it because mm-hmm. what will be sad is they're going to show their teenage kid like completely messed up, right? Oh or maybe gosh. an early, totally messed up, maybe an early twenty something, or maybe maybe they'll re- she'll release it in the late. Well, it's interesting too because at one point I, it may have been the detective who said, "Can you imagine?" if she were your mother and Nick says, can you imagine what it's like being married to her, you know, having her as your wife. But I almost right. felt like that was a little bit of foreshadowing the idea that she was going to become a mother. And it's so true between the two of them, like that, that child doesn't really yeah. have much of a chance not to be no. a mess. No, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, I have read thought pieces and I know there's been discussion about how much to blame her parents. And I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't know that they deserve the full blame. You know, I mean, I I go back and forth because I know that they definitely did some things that probably did mess her up. Right. Because they created this. They'd had all these miscarriages and they created this amazing Amy. And it sounds like there are a lot of parallels to think she felt like if she did something in her life that didn't work out well, then they would write a book where the fictitious right. Amy did everything perfect, you know, and then that started setting up her wanting to have everyone believe that she's perfect, like the amazing Amy. So maybe maybe they get a little blame. I don't. Know. I think they do. I, <laughs> I do. It, right. <laughs> right. 
absolutely. Because that, that, that would have created her to be, you know, I, I think narcissistic and, you know, self-important and all of those other things, but to, I mean, they still, they were so supportive of Nick. So they were trusting people as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's a, good quality perhaps and she she didn't seem to pick up on any of that and the fact that even though they were so good to her and she seemed to care so little for them really was was befuddling honestly yeah but it was interesting to me too I, I think also I was surprised Pam that when when they say oh we need to borrow we need to have some money from you that's basically her money so sure. the money in the trust because they'd made bad investment mm-hmm. decisions and I was trying to decide Okay, but again, I didn't know much about them as characters, so I couldn't decide if that's something that they would do. And they needed like six or seven hundred thousand dollars. And she goes, Okay. And I'm like, Really? Like she would do that? You know, and she just, and Nick's like, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's let's talk about this. (laughs) She's writing out the check. (laughs) I wasn't sure that it seemed realistic to her character, but again, I just wasn't sure about her relationship with her parents so I couldn't decide she didn't seem to like them but I couldn't decide if she would still do whatever they wanted you know I was unsure about that but again it didn't seem that realistic to the selfish Amy that we know but I felt like that maybe goes along with the fact that she didn't know that ten dollars for a gallon of milk was outrageous it's almost like she had no idea what things cost and how much was a lot and so on. So it almost seemed like her, you know, agreement to, to go along with her parents and give them money was less about being generous and more about the fact that she was like, Oh, okay. Cause she had no idea what the value of anything was. That's a good point. That's a good point. And if that's the case, then maybe that would make sense. Um, and, and maybe, Maybe it's just more about maybe she did do the grocery shopping, but she just never really paid attention, you know, to to how much things cost. You know what I mean? Because I know I'll say to my husband, like, oh, hey, how much was that? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, You know, I bought it. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, some people, like, I could say, oh, that was too But not everybody pays attention. So if the bill is 300 bucks or whatever it is, what it is, and there you go. But she didn't necessarily, she wasn't in a budget conscious mindset. Correct. Correct. I think that's, that's, that's what kind of, that's what I was thinking when I read that part of it. I was like, well, it's not that she's a good person. It's just, she doesn't realize. And, and the fact that she didn't talk to Nick about it also kind of established another characteristic of her that they, you know, she was, this is my money. And I don't need to talk to you about it because I'm the one who's, you know, in charge of it because I earned it earned it (laughs) in quotes right 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 yeah right 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 absolutely and I think that she did have a little bit of guilt because she still knows that her parents earned it right that it was there they wrote the stories but then she feels like she deserves it because she is the Amy I think there's definitely some complicated issues in in that relationship absolutely I agree with you the book just barely touches on yeah. So it, al- it almost yeah. seems like, yeah. you know, you have the parents, you have the parents there, and that's going to explain her a little bit. And then Flynn has the parents for Nick, but I felt like that didn't develop him. 
she did a better job, I think, with Amy and, and why she was the way she was rather than Nick, because I didn't feel like his behavior was kind of justified by what we learned about his parents. That's true. That's true. I mean, and, and they put a lot on like, oh, no, Nick lost his job. His life is so horrible. I'm like, oh, give me a break. You know, I've been in journalist yeah. for many years and we've had, you know, job losses come and go in this economy. I get it. But that doesn't, you know, no, no, that doesn't mean that's how you behave. That doesn't justify that behavior. I agree with you on that, too. I, I think my enjoyment, like I said, of, of this book is just merely like, you know, it just takes you on this, this crazy right. journey. But the characters, whoa, I mean, they're, they're, if you want a book where you like the characters, this is not it. Don't read it. You know? <laughs> Don't but, read but it. You're right. you know, but Sometimes it's just, just nice like to read a, journey, a book. Yeah, Take I mean, it's, yes. it's, an, it's enjoyable. But when you do start to kind of put the pieces together and you start analyzing it, as we're doing all the pieces don't really fit the puzzle is a little oblong you know a little bit it's a little bit it's not gonna all fit together (laughs) and and i think so what's interesting is i really liked this and i'm like you i also like unreliable narrators as well Mm -hmm. i enjoy that and then when i've tried some of these other spin-off books i i have actually liked them less you know because then i feel like they're just they're following too much of a formula. It's become become like a formula and, and then the formula doesn't, it's even worse than, than this. (laughs) Well, and I think, and I think that was because I had read some reviews also about people, you know, people who didn't enjoy it as much. And some, someone was saying the ideas, they were fearful that this would establish this, not necessarily the unreliable narrator, but it would establish books where the characters aren't likable and so how do you get how do you get through that part of it so I thought that was kind of interesting I don't know that I've read too many books where the characters are are unlikable I don't know that it's caught on like wildfire so you know maybe she's unique in that way which is you know kudos to her right I know it's been a while since I've read these I remember girl on a train those characters were not that yes. likable as well. Correct. On a window, I think. I didn't read that one. Maybe, yeah. maybe I liked a little bit more Girl on a Window, but but they definitely felt this was, I guess, formula is, is the word I keep, I keep going to, some type right. of a little bit of a formula where we're kind of sticking with the unreliable narrators and characters that have a lot of issues, and in many cases, you're not a huge fan of them. Because... Right. Well, and some of those characters are just, yeah, making choices and, and doing things that are and, troublesome. And I think, too, once, once you know, you realize you, you can't have unreliable narrators, I think that once you're aware of that and you're looking for that, it, it, it takes the surprise element out a little bit. And I think with this book, because... I didn't even like her in her diary entries where she was supposed to be, you know, this perfect Amy. I didn't even like her then. So when you found out that she was just writing them as part of a right. ploy, I, I wasn't even like, oh, my gosh, because she still yeah. was awful. <laughs> so I was like, well, you're still an awful person. So that's not like this big twist to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you realize, yeah, that I don't even know if she knew how to be. Like, because she was always trying to be somebody else, you know, and, 
who knows? I mean, maybe that's how the money got stolen because she let her guard down. I, she is, yeah, she is a complicated <laughs> lady. Though, and you never know who she Amy. really is. Is she chill Amy? Is she cool right. Amy? Is she, you know, you never know who she is. All we know is, I mean, we do know that Nick, Nick. Yeah, what were we going to say that Nick, Nick still likes her regardless kind of of who she is, do you think? I, I think so, but also we. Do, I was going to say we do know that Nick is Nick is you know the self-centered. We can we need just yeah. that we do know who right. he was as a person, but I don't think she ever figured out who right. he was. Right? Yeah. I mean, I I think Nick would have a hard time like maybe being faithful to anybody. I, I think that would be interesting. That like I don't even know just her. Like he just right. kind of comes across anytime somebody says something positive to him he just eats it up so that that is interesting but she had that in common yes. with him no i was going to say she kind of had that in common with him yeah yeah that they both appreciate it well is there anything else you want to say about the book that we haven't addressed so i should make sure we do you think we anything else that stood out the only other thing that stood out i think was how she got pregnant yeah. and they had they had tried obviously so they had they had his semen on in store yes. and she ended up saving that but i mean it wasn't really clear if she went to a doctor right. or if she was using a turkey baster yeah. like what happened with all of right. that so i thought i thought that there should have been something with that just because it's i mean for some people, I know it seems like it's easy to get pregnant, but really the chances of getting pregnant are, are pretty slim. So right. just, I'm just thinking, you know, when, when you consider the statistics for it. So I just thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, here's this person who's, who is taking the pill and then she says she doesn't want to get pregnant. And so then she uses this as kind of a last effort and she right. gets pregnant right, right. away. And so I, I guess I was wondering more right. about that. Yeah, that's, no, that's a really good point. That it's just like, oh, ta-da, she's pregnant. And I, I kind of wondered. Yeah, you're right, she's pregnant. pregnant. I'm like, okay, I understand the science of it, that it's been a couple of years, but that it could, you know, but she'd still have to go to a clinic and get it. You know, it's not like it was just at right. their house. Right. <laughs> so there had to be something. Right. And so there had to be, you would think there would have to be somebody well, I guess you've got the HIPAA right. laws, but if you ever found out where she went, there could be somebody who could attest to the fact that she wasn't with me and this was all part of the plan. I don't know. I just felt like he could have built a case against her and gotten her put in jail, which been where she right. should be. Right. And I did want to add that, like I said, I, I know it created some buzz recently when Gillian Flynn released these extra chapters, which in the version I got, they, there are some extra chapters. It, I, yes, all yes. Right. It, I guess if I'm being honest, it didn't really, I didn't feel like it, there was anything extra that stood out to me. So I guess that's why I'm waiting until the, you know, to, to bring it up. If there okay. had been something that really jumped out at me, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, the, the one thing is they started her diary at age 12 where she says, someday I'll have a husband and he will make me so happy, you know, and, you know, from 1987 and, and Nick does the, how we met in a thousand words or less. And so this was a little, and I mean, this kind of speaks to his character. If I'm looking for a girl, I'm looking for an easy girl, a jolly girl, a girl who drinks cheap beer and laughs at my joke. 
a fellow traveler not bearing a bindle stick of neuroses. <laughs> I have been in New York City for two years now. I have found the women complicated. Mm. And and then that really kind of just, you realize that about him. But but this these first drafts, I think, are clearly kind of the first drafts where there's a lot of telling, maybe. And, and I think what she did a little later in some of the entries was show it a little more. Right. Okay. So he's just outright telling you exactly who he is <laughs> in some of those. So I, do you think that, that she wrote these chapters beforehand? I think my guess is she wrote them beforehand and they got cut. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. You know, and I'll try to look that up and, and see if I can find out when she wrote them. My guess was that they didn't make it in, you know, that. Because, you know, when you write and you just have a okay. bunch of stuff, that that's my guess. But but I could be completely right. wrong. That That's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, well, I can see why they didn't make it in. I didn't. I thought they were fine. But, yeah, yeah it was nothing that I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe she didn't include that, you know. But it's just nice. So she had a good editor. I think so. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I, th I think it was wise. So. Yeah, I, I actually do think that the, this one is, is edited pretty pretty well. So, Well, and I was going to jump to the part where we talk a little bit about what I, I say, like everyone hated it but me, but Pam, some books that you think don't get as much attention as Gone Girl. Maybe 20 million people aren't reading them. <laughs> Those overlooked books, if, if you will. You know, it's funny because I was actually, I, I was realizing because I made, I made a list of books. I went through my Goodreads right. and was looking at the books that I really loved. And, and then I thought, I don't really know if other people, if they didn't get as much attention. So oh, sure, kind of sure. bear with me oh, a little yeah. bit, but I loved Island, Island of the Sea Women by oh, Lisa yes, C. That is a good one. Yes. I was completely fascinated by that. I watched videos about, you know, these women who do this diving yes. and I just became kind of just fascinated with all of that, and I felt like there really wasn't, I didn't see a lot out there about this book. I think that's an, I've read that book too. That's an excellent book. That's an excellent, like, kind of book club book. If you're looking for something for your book club, it's a great discussion book. And it is, in part, yes. like you said, you know, some good, like, historic fiction. Yeah. And that's a really good one. Right. That was great. I also love The Only Plane in the Sky, which is like a, an oral history oh, of 9-11. And it's by Garrett M. Graff. I, oh my gosh, it was, it was so, so good. And, and what was fascinating about it is they, it's all interviews with people, but they would just take maybe a line or two from one person that would go to a line or two from another person. So it almost reads like prose, oh, wow. but it's from different different people all the way through. And even, even at the end, I mean, you obviously know what happens with nine 11 and I'm not a, I am not a big crier. And I found myself like sobbing at wow. parts of it towards the end. Like I remember like one woman they did an interview with and she knew her husband had died and she didn't want to go to bed that night because that was the last day that he would have been in her wow. day. And it just really struck yeah. me about, you know, just you never know. So there are just so many things about it. There were so many things that I didn't realize that were going on politically right. during that time. Right. It's interesting because that, that was nonfiction and the other one was more of a historical fiction. But this one is also nonfiction. This one I, it obviously has 
got garnered interest, but killer because it's being turned into a movie. But Killers yes, of the Flower Moon that's a, that's by David Grant. Yes. <gasps> wow. That was that was just amazing to me that that on in our uh, the the idea of the Osage Native Americans basically getting uh, killed off after we had put them on land that we thought uh, wasn't very arable mm-hmm. and you know just like okay well you go here and it turns out that there's oil there and then the they had to have white guardians and these guardians start just yeah killing yes. them all off and it's so interesting because they in a way it seems just yeah. an accident yeah right right that one unravels kind of like a murder so I love mystery that. it does and it's non-fiction it's it's 100 percent non-fiction right if i remember it's not just historic yes. i mean the lisa c one you mentioned yes. earlier is historic fiction yeah yes yeah, it is you are right killer. oh man and and you're reading it I've, there's a couple times where maybe there's certain names and things that can be a little hard to track but bear with it keep going keep going the dots will get connected and, and and you will feel like you are reading oh, worth a it. murder mystery fiction. I mean, it is. Yeah. You're going to go, oh, my gosh. This really happened. It's it's totally worth it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's another excellent book club discussion. Book. Yes. it's And def- definitely read it before the movie comes out. And I and I think it's, oh, what's his name is in it? Not Matt Damon. Leonardo yes, DiCaprio. Sense. Okay. Yeah. Is in it. Yeah. Right. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. It's really really fun do you read this tender that's on my list pam that's on my list i have not read that yet that's by william kent kruger yeah and and you really love that one oh my gosh you've got you've got a you've got four i loved it because it's it's kind of a playoff odysseus and one of them his name is odie they call him odie and i believe his name was odysseus and Something happens, something happens at this, he's, there, there are these four children there at the Lincoln Indian training school and something terrible happens and these children have to take off and they go off in a canoe. So it's almost like a Huck Finn, um, of Odysseus thing, but it's, it's kind of, it's just kind of magical. I don't know the characters are wonderful and that there's a lot of, you know, kind of scary things that go on you're really rooting for the kids though because right. they are likable right. it's yeah it's a really just a delightful okay, story yeah, i love that. that one and i felt the same way about i felt the same way about in terms of being magical i love the house in oh, the cerulean guys, yes i liked it too i loved it too I, I do think that might be one that i'll have to have on the podcast because it's becoming so popular i'd like to talk with someone who didn't love it but i do love it <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> and, and I read TJ Clune's The Whispering Door. It's, the whis- and again, he wasn't no. that likable. Oh, how is that? Again, I, I liked it. Okay. I did like it. I did like it. You didn't but I like do it. feel like TJ Clune has mm-hmm. uh, maybe not a formula, but the ending, I had had some issues with the ending. I won't give out spoilers or anything, but I, I, I felt like. Okay. It, wasn't quite the ending that that it should have been but I enjoyed the journey and I thought it was yes I have a lot of fun with TJ Clunes gotcha well that it makes me want to read more of them but that one I had read because I thought it was a little bit that like I felt like high schoolers could read that book 
And I think your I, kids too. Some of his other stuff looked like it was oh, okay. more well, adult. I, yes, I think like yes, like even my kiddo who's now going into seventh grade. I think maybe when he was in maybe even in fifth grade, we listened to House on the Cerulean Sea in audio, and he was completely fine with it. Now I do think okay, T.J. Klune does have some more middle grade YA stuff that oh, I yeah. can send you. I know one of my guests had brought it up that had like a superhero. Maybe it's one. I'll try to see if I can find the name of it. But something where everybody has some type of ability and the one character doesn't. And they keep trying to figure out a way to get their superhero abilities. And I think that's more middle grade and might work. Okay, here it is. I just found it, Pam. It's The Extraordinaries. That would be something that I think it's... And that's young adults. So that's like a middle grade. You're kind of age grade range I think would like it some people are extraordinary some are just extra TJ Clune YA debut Nick Bell was not extraordinary but being the most popular fan fiction writer in the extraordinaries fandom is a superpower right so it's a kid who doesn't have any superhero powers but wishes that he did so I think that could be one to to check out Welcome to the after show. I want to thank Pam so much and I want to thank all of you for listening. It's funny, but in the very last like minute of our conversation, we both noticed that the recording was having a little hiccup. So that's why we kind of ended it right when we were talking about TJ Clune. Again, wanted to thank Pam so much for her time. We just had such a fun and delightful conversation, and I love the books that she suggested. And of course, I want to thank all of you for listening. And if you've ever got that Everyone Loved It But Me book that you'd like to see me discuss and analyze on the show, please reach out to me. My website is www.everyoneloveditbutme.com. I will also include links to all of the books that we discussed in the show notes. I hope you all have a lovely day. And most importantly, I hope you get time to read today. 